Shall we pray? Lord God, thank you that uh, we can gather together this morning and that we can hear your word. And I ask that you would apply it to our lives today. Amen. So do keep your Bibles open just to make sure that I'm saying what's really there. And there are quite a lot of lists in there. And I'm not desperately good at remembering lists of things. So it's good if we've got them down in front of us. But this morning's passage, it opens with Paul writing to some fairly new Christians in Galatia, and he's writing to them. We've heard loads about this in the last few weeks. If you've missed it, go and listen again, because here we are, chapter 5, and Paul says to them, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. But what is freedom? Now, Jonathan there, he he had every freedom to sit on that chair if he wanted, but... uh, I don't think it was a good idea, do you? But I wonder, who wants to tell me what they think freedom might mean? Can we have some suggestions? No one knows what freedom is. Goodness, right, okay. Yeah, okay, go on. What do you think? What's freedom? Yeah, I think that's a really good definition. See, I looked it up in the dictionary, actually. And I looked it up. I was, I was using my Kindle, and, and it's linked to the, American, the Oxford American Dictionary. And I looked it up, and it said... Freedom is the power or right to act, to speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Do you know, I'm not sure about those last two, that without hindrance or restraint. That sounds a bit worrying to me. And actually, I then looked it up in the Oxford English Dictionary, and it didn't have that in there. So maybe there's a bit of cultural difference here. (laughs) But then I thought, okay... I'm still not sure I get this. So so freedom is the ability to do whatever you want. Is that quite right? So then I Googled for it. And don't worry, I used voice recognition. I promise I didn't type. I used my voice recognition software and I said, what is freedom? And I got a Wikipedia article. And I thought, Wikipedia, what a great example of people using their freedom. When it works, then people write something. And if it's not quite right, someone comes back in and edits it. And everybody's free to edit it. And together we get somewhere. I thought, yeah, that, that's, a good, that's a good example of freedom. And then the next hit was an, uh, an anarchistic bookshop. I didn't buy any of their books. And the next hit was all about hen parties and stag do's. And I didn't follow that link. I didn't think that was wise. But where are we? So we've got these ideas of freedom. We, we've got freedom of speech. We've got political freedom. We've got free sexual freedom. All of these ideas. But maybe the best way to pin down what freedom is is to think about what happens when you don't have freedom. Now, I've been watching a couple of films recently, and I know that this came out in 1994, and I'm a bit behind the times, but who's seen The Shawshank Redemption? It is absolutely brilliant. Why didn't I watch it 10 years ago? Can someone just tell me that? I so enjoyed it. If you've not seen it, go and watch it, and I'm really sorry for the little spoiler coming in a minute. Put your fingers in your ears. I thought you'd most have seen it. So I was watching The Shawshank Redemption, and it had this little tagline, fear can hold you prisoner, hope can set you free. And I was looking at these guys. There are these guys who are in prison, and one of them was innocent, and he'd been sent to to, to prison. He'd been accused of murder and convicted, but he was actually innocent. But all the others were actually murderers who were in prison for life sentences, and they had learned how to live within the system. And there was one guy in particular who, who was the librarian, and he, his role in the prison as a prisoner was he could take books around and give them to other people. And he was functioning really well, and he was quite happy doing that. 
And then they set him free. And he just couldn't cope. Spoiler, hands over your ears if you don't want to know. He took his own life. He, could, he couldn't take it. You're okay now, you're safe. You can hands out your ears. But there were was, there was some other guys in there who were really struggling with this idea of being institutionalized or how to actually be free. And there's a great moment where they play some music and it gives them hope. And there are all these little things that give them hope of something greater than the strict regime that they're living under. And it's brilliant. There's one guy who, after 40 years, is finally granted parole, and he goes out there, and he decides to live. And there are some adjustments he's got to make. And there's one moment where he puts his hand up in the, in, in the shop where he's working. He says, can I go to the bathroom? And his boss looks at him and says, like, you don't have to ask to go to the bathroom. But for 40 years, he's not been able to go to the loo without asking permission. And I think that kind of summed up to me what freedom isn't. If you're not free to even choose when you go to the bathroom, then you're really not free. But once you're set free, then there's a whole different world waiting for you. And I think that's partly about what Paul is talking about here. It's the same kind of contrasts. Because the Judaizers who'd come to the Galatians, there were these new Christians in Galatia, and they were just getting their head around what it meant to be a Christian. And in came the Judaizers and said, well, what we normally do is, is on Friday night then, we, that's the start of the Sabbath, and we don't do anything after that, and we won't cook, and we won't w- walk more than 100 paces. And they thought, okay, I can do that. That's achievable. I'll just live within those bounds. Well, they said, right, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And have you ever thought how much easier it is to live when you've just got to follow a load of checklists? When if you wake up in the morning, I don't know, who wears school uniform to school still? or a uniform to work. I actually used to quite like school uniform. Yes, we all looked like idiots. My uniform was worse than most. You know, I have red hair. I was in Lovekin House, which meant I had to wear a purple tie, and I had a red blazer. And can you imagine? But because... Yeah. <laughs> Don't even picture it. But because we had a uniform, you got up in the morning, you put your uniform on, and you went out the door, and it was easy. And then actually, you turn up at university and you've got to think about what you wear. It's a bit more challenging. But I have to say, it's worth the challenge. I no longer look like I used to with a red uniform and red hair and a purple tie. So there are many instances where it's much easier to just follow the rules. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying to those Christians that you are free. But the best bit is, as we've heard in the last few weeks, is that he doesn't just say to them, you are free, now run along and be free. We heard Ian say this so well two weeks ago, Christ lives in you. We're not told you're free, now go and make choices just because it's what you want. We're told you are free and Christ lives in you, helping you make the mature decisions. And we are worthy of that because we are adopted as sons and heirs, as Robin was telling us last week. So we're not left on our own to deal with our freedom. We have freedom and we have Christ in us, helping us do the right thing. It's been well said, and you'll have heard it many times, that if you give a man a fish, you can feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, then he can feed himself and his family for as long as he needs to. And it's like that when the gifts of the Spirit come to us. And that's what our passage ended with today. Because of Christ living in us, 
because we are growing in maturity and because we are starting to exhibit these fruits of the Spirit, then we are being equipped to use our freedom wisely. The fruits of the Spirit. And I think it's great the way that there's a sort of a bookend on either end of this list. If you look at it, we have love at the one end and self-control at the other. So we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we want to use our freedom wisely, then we do it with love and we do it with self-control. The interesting thing about Paul's passage here, and I wonder if it sort of struck with any of you, that he started off by saying, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then a little bit later he says, but these are all the things you mustn't do. What did he say you mustn't do? Let's just shout them out. What did Paul tell us not to do? No witchcraft. Okay, now, I'm not sure how many of you have been indulging in a bit of witchcraft on the way to work, on on the way to church, and I hope it's none of you. But that's a really big one. You can go, it's really clear when you're doing witchcraft. You can't accidentally dabble in witchcraft. (laughs) But what about idolatry? Do you think that's something we can accidentally dabble in? I think it is. I think it's a, you you can end up putting something else in God, in God's place, can't you? What about the other ones? What, What else was in there? Sorry? I can't hear. Hatred. Yeah. That's one that you can very easily just just flow into. What else was in there? Rage. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Jealousy. Now, these are the things that really interest me. Because you first look at this list and you go, oh, it's all about don't have sex, don't drink, and don't indulge in witchcraft. Well, I can do without the witchcraft. That's really easy. But the others, you think, yeah. A drink, you can have a drink, and that's fine. Sex is really good, but it's when you start to abuse them. The other things are just more normal. Envy, selfish ambition, factions. When people abuse their freedom, this is what happens. And I think that's what Paul is really saying. He's not saying to them, don't do this, 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 this. He's saying, you are free and use your freedom wisely Otherwise, there'll be envy, there'll be selfish ambition, there'll be factions. These are the consequences of us abusing our freedom. Does that make sense? Yeah? Because it's so important that we use our freedom wisely. It is wonderful that we're free. But if you abuse that, then bad things happen. As Paul says in verse 15, If you keep on fighting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And again in verse 21, he says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But more than that, what does it say about the gospel? What sort of witness is it to the world if we stand there saying, Christ has set us free and then we're bickering or there's hatred or there's jealousy? It's so important that we use our freedom to build each other up and to serve the body of Christ to the glory of God. And I think this is something which is really important to think about right now. So right now in Camborne, then, we don't have a minister at the moment. We're in a vacancy. And there's a lot to pray for, as we have, as, as Jonathan was saying, as we're in this process of advertising and appointing a new minister. But at the moment, right now, 
we need to be so careful that we maintain our unity. And I think this is a message that God really wants us to take on because I've just not been able to get away from this this week. On Monday, I met up with a couple of women from the church and we were reading the Bible together. And we were reading from Philippians chapter 4. And, and Paul is pleading with Yudia and Sinchi. I'm afraid I can't pronounce that. Let's just, we'll go with that. With Yudia and Sintishi. And he was saying to them, be of the same mind in the Lord, since you have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. He was saying to them, whatever your disagreements, it is the gospel that really matters. And then on Tuesday, I went along to ministry team meeting and we were reading from Romans 15, where Paul writes, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. And may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that witness of unity has been so important here in Camborne. When I spoke to Ian, our church warden, the other day, he said this was one of the first decisions that Camborne Church made when there were very, very few people in the church years ago. And they said, we are going to focus on unity. We're going to focus on the gospel and what unites us. And isn't it a brilliant witness here in Camborne that we have the four partner churches, but we are churches together in Camborne, worshipping God. We are free to, to worship him in the way that we want but we come together and we worship him together. And I just think that is fantastic. But I think it's not just about in church, is it? Uh, who hears online? Who, who does Twitter or Facebook or any of those? Do you think it matters how, how we put ourselves out on, on social media? I think as Christians, then we've got a real responsibility, partly because you lose that tone in social media interactions, don't you? You can say something and people can't quite tell what it is that you're meaning. And I saw a statistic, and, and it's quite an old statistic, so it's probably worse than this now, but in 2006, um, Fight Crime Investing Kids reported that one in three teens had been the victim of cyberbullying. And seven years on, I'm sure the statistics are much worse. And I actually think a lot of the time that cyberbullying isn't people deliberately setting out to bully somebody. It's people saying the wrong thing. And I think that when we're online, then we need to use our freedom of speech wisely. Of course we're free to say whatever we like. Of course we're free to share anything we like. But just to think, is it good for God when we do that? So what should we conclude? As Robin reminded us last week, then we are not slaves, but instead we are much-loved sons and heirs of God. And this means we have freedom. Christ died for us and set us free from our sins, and we are free to live. But with that freedom comes responsibility. I think this leaves us with two questions, and one or other may speak more strongly to you, depending on where you are. I think the first question is, do you dare to let go of legalism, to really trust that Christ has set you free and that he lives in you and is helping you to make the mature and the right choices. Once you've embraced that, how great the freedom. Or from the other side, 
The question is, how will you use your freedom? What is it that God's asking you to do? How can you use your freedom to serve each other? Not to simply please ourselves. How can we build each other up here in Camborne? As free, will we choose to work together for the glory of God? In the words of Paul in Romans 15, verse 13, I pray that the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.